and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 3, Episode 14. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the film that we're going to be talking about tonight is... Get Out. Get Out. Now, I haven't seen Get Out. Okay. uh, And I know nothing about it. So my job at this point is to give you a summary of the plot and a short review based on the title. Um... I believe that it's uh, it's a sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger retrospective. <laughs> um, focused, I mean, the title is focused on how he sort of lifted himself by his bootstraps from humble beginnings you know, and managed to get out. Get um, out. But um, the what they're selling in the trailer is that they've got exclusive background information on how he reckons he can become president of the USA. So the uh, the last bit of it is um is what the plan is for that. This is how I'm going to be president of the United States. And uh, after his um recent political interventions. Yes. Um that doesn't sound that bad, certainly compared with what we've got now. Well no. And uh you know I think he's um far more articulate than what we have now. <laughs> Despite his accent. A better grasp of English. <laughs> he's, he's got a be- I have better grasp of English than the orange man. Is that approximately what Get Out is? Uh, no. Not even the right game. Not even the right ballpark. So, And it's not even a rollicking Disney adventure. Um, so this uh, is a 2017 American horror film. Uh, we're in the realms of horror once again, uh, which I think um, I think for you and me is probably our second favourite or maybe favourite genre. It's my favourite realm. Why, favorite realm. What, would be, what would be your first favourite if it's your second favourite? Um, I think my first is probably sci-fi. Oh, right. No, closely, no, followed, closely followed by horror. Horror's um, my first favourite. Uh, but I would kind of, you know, uh, lump in... In that horror genre, the the non-horror works of Stephen King, um, right. purely because they still have that kind of otherworldly type storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things like Stand By Me and Shawshank Redemption, which is my favourite movie, still remains to be my favourite movie. Right. I um, think my favourite movie is probably Alien. Okay, yeah, which, that's a good which one. Which is sci-fi horror. So Yeah, yeah. It works. Yeah. Definitely. Um yeah, so Get Out is a 2017 uh, American horror film directed by Jordan Peele in his directorial debut. I'm just going to look up what his day job is. I'm sorry, I'm not very well prepared this evening. Is he an amateur? Um, he No, he's an, uh, he's an actor, comedian, writer, producer and director. Mm-hmm. Uh, best known for starring in the Comedy Central sketch series Key and Peele. I don't know what that is because I've never seen it. And he's a regular cast member on Mad TV. So... That sounds crazy. Yeah, it does. And you'd think, hey, so what kind of horror movie is this? Is he, is he making some kind of knockabout splatter thing like Evil Dead 2 or something? But uh, he's made some Twitter comments about Get Out. In, uh, Get Out. Yeah, quite recently, in the last few weeks. I'd probably, maybe to coincide with the release of the DVD, but um, describing it as a documentary. Uh, for reasons which I'll go into as I talk about the film. So, so I was right uh, that it's a documentary. It's not a documentary, but but it it kind of 
is in the way that it portrays stuff. So, <clears throat> um, uh, it, the, the film stars Daniel Kalua, who um, listeners or our listener Scott, hi Scott, let's say hi to Scott. Hi, um, Scott. Our listener might recognise as being, he was in one of, one of the uh, episodes of Black Mirror on uh, Channel Four. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also back in the day. Uh, there was a sketch show called Harry and Paul on TV. Nope. And he was a character called Parking Patawayo, who was a traffic warden. Um, uh, but he's a British actor. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so it stars Daniel Kulua, Alison Williams, who, again, listener might recognise from a TV show called Girls, which is an HBO comedy drama, uh, which introduced me to Adam Driver, who is going to be in a... I think a small uh, studio picture called War War in the Stars, I think that's coming out this week. <laughs> um, uh, Bradley Whitford from The West Wing is in this. Which one's he? Bradley Whitford. Who was Bradley Whitford? He was... Ooh, I'm going to have to look him up because I can't remember which. He played quite an important character. Uh, Deputy Chief of Staff Josh Lyman. Josh, I was going to say. I thought it might be Josh. Yeah, yeah Josh. So uh, he was Josh. Caleb Landry-Jones, Stephen Root, <clears throat> who was in a film called Office Space. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, and he's I think he's the one with the stapler. He's oh, it's my stapler. <laughs> such an amazing film. <laughs> yeah, it's him. I'd, I'd uh, never even heard of it before I watched it. Yeah, it's really good. It's I'm so good. But it's to, got to be, what's her name's best film? What is her name? Uh, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Oh, it's but by having far said the that, best film, yeah. I haven't seen. I've barely seen any other Jennifer Aniston films, so I don't know. I've seen, but I would strongly suspect that it is. Yeah, I mean, I've seen one called Along Came Polly. I watched it on a bus in. Oh, actually, this is a this is a funny, uh, not terribly funny story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> I watched I watched a film called Along Came Polly, which is a film starring Jennifer Aniston and Ben Stiller and Paul Rudd, and Philip Seymour Hoffman in a supporting role. Mm-hmm. I watched it on a bus in Peru, in Spanish with English subtitles, <laughs> <laughs> and even in Spanish with English subtitles, I could still see that Philip Seymour Hoffman was stealing the movie from under everyone's nose. He is, he is only in good things. Yeah, I mean, so Along Came Polly was pretty good. I, uh, it had the, the benefit of having uh, a supporting character of, uh, I think, a... Uh, um, a blind ferret that used to run around the apartment and smash into cupboards and things like that. Uh, okay. It was all very much played for laughs. I don't think it was actually doing that. Um, so anyway, that's taken us off track a little bit. <laughs> uh, the film also stars Catherine Keener, who was in... She's been in lots of things, but I th- uh, she was in uh, Being John Malkovich. Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. Back in the day. Uh, but she's so- been in a lot of stuff. Okay, and it's a knockabout comedy horror. Get Out. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. So <clears throat> it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it went on to do really, really well at the box office. And it's about um, this couple, uh, played by Daniel Kalua and Alison Williams, who are a mixed-race couple. They're not married yet. but um, uh, And she says, well, you know, it's... Um, it's time to meet my parents. To which he's, he says, well, oh, hang on. Do your parents actually know that I'm black? And they say, 
No, but my dad would have voted for Obama three times if he could have done. Um, so he says, well, okay, you know, <laughs> if, you think it's a, if you think it's all right. So they go there and the tone is really weird when they get there because her parents are like really like aggressively um, right on and kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we love black people and, you know, you're all fantastic. And this kind of thing. Uh, but he meets two um, servants at the house, two black servants at the house, mm-hmm. who are behaving really strangely. So far, the setup sounds a little bit like Mother! Although I, I haven't, haven't seen. I haven't mother. seen Mother. I'm really looking forward to seeing Mother! Mother! But the yeah. creepy, creepy parent, weird. Yeah. Stuff. So there's uh, creepy, weird parents. There's. The, these black servants who are uh, really weird, you know, behaving really strangely. Mm-hmm. And the parents are just really aggressively, like, friendly, but not in a nice way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of friendly in a quite an aggressive, well, maybe a passive-aggressive kind of way that isn't at all pleasant. Mm-hmm. So all of this is going on. Um, there's then a party... Where where we see lots of white people arrive, and um, near the beginning of the film, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. There's a little scene at the beginning where we see a, a black character on his way home, seemingly walking through quite an affluent neighbourhood, and a car pulls up behind him, and the music that's playing on the speakers in the car is uh, "Run Rabbit Run." Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Okay, that's a bit weird." And then something happens to him. And we see him arrive at the party, also behaving in a very strange way. Indeed. So, can I just mention at this point that I, when, I've i been going back and re-listening to our old episodes. Uh-huh. Which is a narcissistic thing to do. No, I do that too, yeah. And uh, I recently listened to the one about society. Oh, yes. Okay. It sounds a bit like that. That's a good point. That is a good point. And, and actually, uh, when I talked about this on the radio, uh, I don't think I did say that it was like society, but afterwards I thought that's something that I should have pointed out. But <laughs> oh, I will that's, get, I'll get... That's why I'm here, uh, folks. That's why you're here, yeah. Yeah, to jog my memory. So, um, memory jogger uh, 2.0, hashtag get involved. Dot com. Dot com. Um, yeah, so this... Uh, and then, as the party kind of starts to fizzle out... What we see happen is a, what is a, what, what essentially looks like a silent auction mm-hmm. in which the father uh, hands up, holds up pictures of black people and the white people at the party uh, place bids on them. Mm-hmm. And he takes the most bids for uh, I'm, his... I've got to say... This must be uncomfortable to watch because it's pretty uncomfortable to talk about. It is. It is pretty squirmy. And and one of the things about this uh, auction is that Stephen Root from Office Space, that's my stapler, he is the guy who <laughs> wins the bid on his daughter's boyfriend who is visiting. So okay. we know that there's something really shady. So and does, does the boyfriend see all this? No, he doesn't see any of this. We see this as okay. viewers. Okay, okay. So we know something really shady and messed up is going on. Yeah. And what what 
he then finds the um, the boyfriend in his girlfriend's room. You know, he's sort of he's not really rooting through her stuff, but he is quite inquisitive about what's going on. Mm-hmm. He finds a box hidden away, and inside the box there are pictures of her former boyfriends, and they're all black. Okay. All of them. Okay. So, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, she's been lying to him in the first place. So, and as he, as he discovers this, then the film does a bait, does a switch, like a psycho type switch mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, what is essentially a quite messed up, slightly funny and an awkward kind of way drama. It does a switch to a full on horror movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in which, uh, you know, he, he gets attacked by uh, her brother, who's like this really violent redneck type, played by Caleb Landry Drones, who's actually speaking in such a strong accent that I couldn't understand what he was saying most of the time. Like, Is it too late to mention that... He's a bit like the, he's a bit like the crazy guy in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Is it too late to mention that this podcast will contain spoilers? Um... It's never too late to mention that, but it will. I am. I. I. I have found myself actually of late talking around stuff more than I used to. Yeah, I think um, we should just spoil more things. That's <clears throat> what right. podcast oh. for. Okay, so he then uh, he gets hypnotized by his girlfriend's mum and <laughs> finds himself in a. In a in a um, operating theatre, right. with the dad there, and what the dad is going to do is take his um, brain out, and put Stephen Root's brain in his body, and that's what the auction is all about. His, Hang on, uh, whose brain is like going a, in whose? Okay, so the boyfriend's brain right is going to be removed and right. presumably discarded. And the uh, and Stephen Root, that's my stapler. Right. His brain is going to be put in the boyfriend's head. Right. Why? So a brain transplant. So because he can live for longer. Oh, okay. Because, oh, they, right. you know, these people are quite old and uh, they want new life. Right. Okay. And, uh, it, but, it, of course, he escapes from this and he, um, he uh, uses, he sticks her in a kind of callback to the Evil Dead 2. <laughs> he takes a stag's head. And he stabs um, Josh from the West Wing <laughs> in the head with it, which is pretty full on. Mm-hmm. And uh, then tries to make his escape. He then discovers that the servants have also had this done to them. So, yeah, they so they're, are, they're now rich people who've... Yeah, and that's why they're behaving so strangely, because, mm-hmm. you know, white people are weird and... And they behave weirdly, and they, <laughs> you know, an old white person's brain with all of those kind of memories and personality inside a black person's body just doesn't make any sense. And that's why they're behaving so strangely. And they are actually the brains of um, the uh, the now dead um, Josh from the West Wing's uh, parents. Okay. So they're yeah. So that's who they are. So he discovers this. He tries to make his escape. He calls up his friend who works for the um, security services at, I think, Dulles International Airport, which is um, where Die Hard 2 is set. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, and uh, his friend comes along and um, 
Looks like and I saves the, the day. Wrong week to quit smoking. It looks like I picked the wrong week to quit. That's airplane. <laughs> I know. Loose living. Those two, those two go together. Looks in like my I mind. picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> Shouldn't we put the runway lights on? No. Why not? It's what they'll be expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, his friend comes along and saves the day, leaving a trail of carn trail of carnage in the background. Right. And this is a stunning piece of work. It's uh, it's produced by Blumhouse Productions, who um, are big players in American modern American horror movies. So they are behind the Insidious uh, mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen. Uh, they were all. Which you haven't seen. They're also they were also behind the those par- paranormal activity films, which right. are Insidious is pretty okay, right? Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're good. You know, they they uh, they're a bit quiet, loud, bangy, crashy, noisy yeah. type thing. Yeah. But um, the people who make them, there's a guy called James Wan who is one of the main directors of those things. You know, he knows how to put a horror movie together. Mm. He's a decent director. Um. So, yes, produced by Blumhouse, who also made a movie called Split, which, did we talk about Split on this podcast? Okay, well, we should, we should do that at a later date. Mm -hmm. That's an M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) ding-dong film with James McAvoy. I'm sure we did talk about it on this podcast, maybe we didn't. No, we haven't, unless I've completely forgotten it. I think I might have to look at, I might have to check that, because I'm sure that we, we did. I'm pretty sure we didn't. Uh, Surely okay. at least I would remember at least um, the title. No, you're correct. We have not. Because uh, this is all... Yeah, no, we, we definitely haven't. So, um, yes, yeah, so produced by Blumhouse, who are, um, you know, big players in horror. They do really good work. Jordan Peele, uh, you know, as I said, has since described it as a documentary as a kind of social mm-hmm. um, comment on modern America, whereby people are just commodities to be dealt with as seen fit by rich white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's definitely a dotted line here to society. Right. Yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. Just like, it, it seems to me that... With the, you know, with the stuff that's going on in Alabama at the moment, with this um, judge who is accused of being a paedophile, who has not stood down and is standing for re-election, um, and uh, it just seems like, well, you know, people can just get away with anything these days. And uh, Get Out is is an example of white people thinking they can get away with anything. But they do get they do get their comeuppance, which is nice. So, in quite okay. a violent, nasty way as well. So this is a film about racism, is like because the point is that these people don't yeah. value the lives of black people, and they they just want just Not take their bodies. Yeah, they don't see them as as human beings at all. They see them as just something to be used and discarded. And in the in the current. Um, Climate with claims that um, th- that that's literally the case that um, 
the police are quite happy to kill black people without being particularly, without really seeing them as yeah. human. It's it's oh, very uh, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of very direct. It, there's not a lot of subtlety in its metaphors. <laughs> no, there isn't. But what it manages to do, and and this is a this is a phrase I use a lot. It 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 does a balancing act. So it does a balancing act of of having a socially interesting message and a political message that's very overt. But it manages to balance that with being a really good horror movie as well, well, that it never loses sight of that fact. You know, it's never saying the world is terrible and you should all be depressed. It's actually saying, um, yeah, there are those things, but here's so here's um, Josh from the West Wing getting a, an antler through his head. And <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't shy away from like the, the um, quite extreme horror that it has towards the mm. end of the film. Which is good, because I think if it was all social political commentary, um, it would be... I, I don't think it would have done as well as it did at the mm -hmm. box office. But because it's got the... Because it's um, a horror movie that happens to have a social political message, like society, it gets under the radar. And it was a, ma it was a huge yeah, success. Yeah, I don't think society huge, wasn't much of a success, right? <laughs> It's too boring. It's no, very but this boring. had a budget. This doesn't sound at all boring. This had a budget of this had a budget of four point oh, five that's, million. Wow, that's tiny. Which is nothing, and took two hundred and fifty-four point <laughs> one million, which is an incredible yeah. success. So one of my favourite horror films so, um, um, of all time is has a very similar message, which is Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Isn't it nice that our Definitely. society's moved on so much? Although this is rather well. Th <laughs> well, yeah, that's depressing, isn't it? It is a bit. That's very depressing that uh, things haven't really changed very much. But um, yeah, it's good. Get out is great. You keep disappearing on. Yeah, uh, I don't know why. So you're back. Um, yeah, it's really good. It, it it's one of those movies where uh, you know when I talked about it on the radio show you just can't talk about very much that's in it because mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. so many spoilers so you just have to kind of set up the mm -hmm. the premise of it and then talk about talk just around right, it just say trust me it's good um, well that's what this podcast is for it right? is good, yeah. we can, it's really good we can talk it is. to people who yeah, absolutely have seen it, is, it yeah. or who don't mind having it spoiled so, do you think yeah. it was quite brave of the That's studio right. to do something um, that addresses such a raw issue so directly? Um, yeah, I think it is quite brave because I wouldn't have said that Blumhouse would have been, uh, you know, a natural fit so, for something like this. But Jason Blum is a good producer. You know, I think that what he was probably looking at with this is mm -hmm. the strength of the screenplay and the fact that it's a, it's a good horror movie. And he would have looked at that and said, okay, you know, this, this fulfills what this studio mm -hmm. is all about. And the social political stuff is important. Um, because it's good. It's a good horror movie. You know, it, uh, it <clears throat> up until the point when we see the operating theater, 
I had Where no idea what the hell was going I mean, on. Holly- so the, uh, there's this silent auction thing. Yeah. That I just thought, well, I don't really know what's going on there. I have no clue as to why this is happening. Yeah. But I just know so, it's really um, sinister. I mean, Hollywood is always happy to have, uh, uh, like, sort of left-wing, slightly left-wing politics about it. But um, it tends to shy away from really hard-hitting things. <clears throat> but um, what's coming to mind is District 9. And the, I think the interesting thing about District 9 is that District 9 uses an analogy rather than like the actual thing actually happening, which is more what Get Out seems to be doing. Apartheid. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 <clears throat> the, in, to some extent, the analogy that's used in District 9, the thing is, it's so close, it's actually completely obvious what they're talking about. But um, yeah, the fact that it is not depicting a real thing, but a sci-fi thing, I think makes it incredibly powerful. Oh, it's an amazing film. It's 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 Bloomkamp's best movie by yeah. A country well, mile. some of the others are rubbish, aren't they? Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I'm, I I yeah, definitely diminishing returns. I'm just I'm hoping that one day so he'll come back. I thought that Elysium was Elysium was yeah, a huge was disappointment. Just pointless. Uh, I despised Chappie from beginning right. to end. Uh, did I see Chappie? Yeah, I, did, just, I think I don't remember. Oh, such a! It's just yeah. so ill-judged. And poorly put together. Um, I don't know whether he... I, I mean, I, I think I read an interview with him where he said that he's not actually that interested in directing. He's more an no. ideas guy. And I think that's borne out by his work since District 9 that, you know, that's maybe not the best District fit District 9 is him. so amazing. I, I want him to it's do fantastic. Yeah, the annoying thing is that I think that the poor performance of Alien Covenant has probably killed his... Aliens sequel that he was planning. Oh right, okay. He was planning a um, a sidestep of everything after Aliens and having Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean returning for one more, um, right. sort of saying that the events of Alien Three were a dream kind of thing, right. um, which I would have really enjoyed. I think uh, you know it's to give them a good send off because we haven't seen mm. it. I haven't seen Michael Bean in anything for years. Mm. Um, and I think the way that that character and the character of Newt were dispatched at the beginning of Alien 3 is just so disrespectful <laughs> to how important they were to the story and actually is that that's the android yeah, uh, no Michael Bean is Hicks oh did Hicks survive right? I had yeah yeah he's really badly burned on his face but he did oh, survive okay. um Hudson sir He's Hicks. <laughs> Get out. Get out. Um, yeah, so Bloomkamp, that was in, in the planning to be done after Alien Covenant, but I think because that didn't do so well, I don't think it'll ever So happen. do you think the social commentary of Get Out has an impact in a similar way to District 9? Um, yeah, maybe. I, th- I think that enough enough people clearly saw this who who maybe are not aware of how hard life is for people in some parts of America and maybe saw this and it might have been a bit of an eye-opener for lots of people in the way that District 9 was maybe an eye-opener for people who weren't aware of apartheid and what it did to people in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's certainly a role for films to take 
something you know and make it feel real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and sci-fi is is really good at being allegorical, you know, that's one of the great things about that genre is that you can you can get across a really pointed message without actually saying anything about the thing that you're talking about, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but it seems like Get Out doesn't do that because it's so directly applicable. It is directly applicable, but it's so a really it good horror movie. It just shows you something, you yeah. know, it says, you know, they, it may, they may not be transferring their brains, but, but some people do genuinely feel like this, that these humans aren't human. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a documentary, according to the director. It's a satire. It's a it's a horror movie. It's social political commentary. It's really brave piece of work for what is quite a mainstream movie. You know, this isn't a peripheral film. This got a good release schedule and took a lot of money it sounds like given given the budget so, was quite low in the beginning it sounds like it took a lot more money than they expected so maybe it wasn't such a big risk from that point of view maybe not um so yeah that's true the budget is fairly low and they they could have um you know i, I think that if, if it had taken 50 million on that budget it would have been mm. deemed a success um but as it is it did incredibly well and I think that Jordan Peele um, is a very talented filmmaker and uh, I want to see something else as soon as possible. Because, you know, I like uh, I like stuff that pushes buttons and this makes no bones about the fact that it is definitely mm. pushing buttons. It's definitely getting in your face. Yeah. Um, well, if it weren't for... And I don't. I like. If it that. weren't for my duty to this podcast, I would feel that I'd been remiss in not watching it. But I think now you I can would. watch it. Indeed, be remiss. I can fulfil my duty yeah. to the podcast not to watch things, and also watch it. <laughs> yeah, I think that if you uh, were to watch anything from the stuff that I've talked about this year, um, I would say that the Red Turtle. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, get out. Get out. I'm just going back through uh, our list from this year. Baby Driver. Yeah. Uh, well, what I've done is I've put a, a large number of films on my Amazon wish list on the oh, basis excellent. that I never I never manage to see them if they find their way onto TV or whatever. Right. So I thought okay. if, uh, if my family can just buy me DVDs, then... They can sit on the shelf above the TV until I eventually get around to watching them. Yeah, they they go pale with the sun. Yeah, and uh, they melt inside their cases, and then you okay. Well, that's a coaster now. <laughs> I'm definitely. Well, you I'm did really ev- looking you did eventually get around to watching Point Blank, which uh, I did. Yeah. 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 Different different social message that had. Yeah, I want my money. <laughs> Yeah, still there like is payback. no payback. Yeah, I think Payback's a better movie. I do think Payback's a better movie, but I think Point Blank is of its time. You know, we know we've talked about the sexual politics in it are troubling yeah. these days. It's very much of its time. It's very stylish. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I think Payback's a better film. Yeah, I haven't watched Payback for quite a while actually. There's, there, there was a director's cut all the a time. few years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know whether it's better or worse or, you know, it has more violence in it. More Mel Gibson. Yeah, the the payback that I've seen a lot of times is just perfect. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> it's really good. So, that is Get Out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I skewed, skewed slightly. So, um, okay. maybe the... Uh, Maybe the question has already been answered because we really the we can ask it anyway. And, uh, okay, well, wait, you've got an answer, so I have to ask answer you. it in a different way. <laughs> so, what's the point of Get Out? What's the point of Get Out? Um, it's a cracking horror movie, so that's that's one good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, the other point is that it it unashamedly has its heart on its sleeve. It's directed by Jordan Peele, who's a black man. And it's about black people's place, some black people's place in America. It has a strong social political message running through it. But is also uh, a really good horror film. A suspense movie, a satire, a documentary, according to the director, about life in America. And it's it's amazing. I feel like our society is in a time of um, sort of shaking all the skeletons out of the closet and uh, and talking honestly about things that uh, things that happened ages ago in like with in you know it started off with things that happened ages ago like the the sex scandals with TV personalities and things like that and then it's increasingly. <coughs> about things that are happening now um, and people saying it, it, it we've, for too long we've been kind of wishing these things away and not talking about them and now we oh, have definitely. to just bring them out into the open um, and say it how it is and the thing with the the thing with the set scandals is that there's so much more of that to come I don't know this <laughs> I, don't, I have no insider knowledge but I honestly there's so many, you know, men in positions of power and influence that there just there's got to be more of this to come, and you know, Kevin Spacey being fired from, well, not just fired, replaced from Ridley Scott's next movie unceremoniously you know not even given a chance to make a case for himself just like okay you're off the film and replaced by Christopher Plummer so they reshot all of the scenes for that with Christopher Plummer instead uh, Spacey was fired from House of Cards on Netflix yeah uh, I'd be surprised if he ever works again and if he does it will be in straight to video which is which is right but well, I'm concerned about Kevin Spacey. I don't know the details, but it seems like all the attention's been on him because he's famous and things. And uh, you know, less attention has gone, for example, on the conspiracy of silence around Harvey Weinstein. And oh yeah, well, it's interesting that isn't it that <clears throat> the Weinstein thing it hasn't really blown open 
as much as it could have done. There's a lot of attention on him as a person, but (coughs) how many people were involved in what was going on? Well, exactly. Where is the exposure of them? The British police are apparently opening an investigation and and, uh, might charge him with uh, things that happened in London. Right. Which which would be interesting. And I don't know any, Um, as I said, I don't know any details about Kevin Spacey, but he certainly hasn't admitted to uh, any of the serious things that uh, he's accused of. He might turn out to be innocent. He may well turn out to be innocent. Or at least an unpleasant person who made some horrible mistakes rather than, uh, you know, a paedophile or whatever he's being accused of. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, the thing is, though, if you go on any social media and you voice... um, you voice doubt about someone's, um, you know, about what they've done, you basically get accused of being complicit. And it's been like that since 9-11. You know, you can't basically say that you think someone's not guilty because that conversation is not allowed. Right. Yeah, what bothers me is that um, there's, there's, there's some very obvious and clear and conspiratorial guilt around the Weinstein stuff and other things like that. And then the attention has been on one figure who's recognisable and perhaps perhaps was thought to be a hero. Maybe that's why. I don't know. He made a terrible error of judgment in that on the day that these allegations came to light, he made a public statement saying, I've been living as a gay man for a long time. Yeah. and yeah, that didn't go down he just well. dealt with it yeah. terribly badly. And he, uh, you know, to, to the people who accused him of doing these things, he said, I don't remember doing it, but I'm sorry if I did that. But he just dealt with it really badly. And I think, you know, we're, we're, we're barely scratching the surface at the moment. Yeah, well, I'd like um, to see... Barely scratching it. Yeah. I'd like to see attention on, what, on everyone who's accused of of bad things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think that kind of you know Harvey, Harvey Weinstein when when he made in a statement after these allegations came to light and he said to the press he said I'm doing okay I'm seeking help and when he made that statement I thought okay this isn't about you yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing is help with what? You're a bit of a psychopath. Um, so, what are you seeking help for exactly? It's group therapy to be to be a more rounded human being and stop being such a creep, maybe. Um, and there's the other thing about um, you know even on things like Have I Got News for You with when Joe Brand was was hosting and they were talking about the you know, the, the allegations in Westminster that you know, people like Sir Michael Fallon, who's now resigned from the cabinet, um, on the same day that, was it the same week that Priti Patel also resigned? Um, so he resigned over allegations of historical, you know, um, groping and that kind of thing in, in the Commons. Mm-hmm. And Ian Hislop just wasn't taking this seriously at all. And Joe Brand... You know, all credit to her. Really got stuck. Well, did, actually, she didn't. She didn't really get stuck into him. She was quite reasonable 
on television when in fact you know she could have really told him to shut the f up but um you know she said no there's got to be a line in the in the sand and people have got to be told what's and what is not acceptable yeah. and this is not acceptable and what annoys me is when uh men say well we just don't know what to do what, what can we do now <laughs> yeah. and it's like well yeah one yeah. don't be a creep two don't be a creep yeah. and that's it that's it you just can't you know, just behave like a proper human being around people. Yeah, just try and, you know, try and treat other humans as if they were humans, right? Yeah, with take, respect, bring, bring like us you back, would want to be treated. Bringing us back <laughs> to Get Out, just treat humans yes. like humans. Take yes. a nanosecond to put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, have some empathy for other human beings. And just don't be a creep, you know. So what a, what a weird time we live in where, yeah. Um, so about maybe 10 years ago or, lo- or later, or f- further back, we established kind of shared norms in our society of stuff that wasn't acceptable, like, you know, groping someone and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that, that became pretty much agreed by most reasonable people. And then in the last five years... We've got. It's gotten worse, hasn't we've, it? Well, we've got this weird situation where we've got people in the public eye, and the president of the US um, mm. boasting about ways of behaving that are completely unacceptable, um, and yeah. being openly racist, effectively or almost openly racist. And at the oh, same, everything. I mean, we can say that everything that has come out of his mouth has been you know derogatory to minorities to women so yeah so we've got to people of color so we've got this this um yeah first of all society agrees what's acceptable um and then around about the same time society starts unveiling all kinds of stuff that's been happening that's unacceptable for decades and still now and at the same time we've got like maybe what counts as a backlash against that which is um people in the public eye not just trump but particularly trump who stand for all that stuff that we've agreed as a society is unacceptable yeah it's not it's not so here's another thing uh lewis ck you know the um american you probably don't you're not don't really so. aware of him but american stand-up comedian and actor he's he was on he was on parts and recreation ah, actually. i love parts, you and watched parts and rec yeah you did yeah of course you watch parts and rec he is the cop that leslie has a an on-off relationship with Right. Um, he pops up a few times. He's got gin red hair, curly red hair. Right, yeah, I think I, I think I know. Um, he's quite a funny guy. So what I didn't realise is that there have been allegations for many, many years that he has uh, been abusive to women um, uh, and none of it's ever been backed up. But his comedy kind of deals with this stuff in a way that is quite pointed but he's never admitted to anything people have accused him of it but nothing's ever happened and uh this year a woman went to a comedy event like a red carpet event and tried to talk to people on the red carpet and say look what can you tell me about this and nobody would say anything to her. Now, that's not really a surprise at a red carpet event that anybody's gonna, ever going to say anything anyway. Mm. And she basically got thrown out, you know, quite forcibly, said, you know, just go away. We're not interested in what you've got to say. 
and then um, people came forward to accuse him and uh, he admitted to it finally but he didn't apologise he again made it all about him like Harvey Weinstein Mm. did he never apologised to anybody so that's another thing that annoys me is is that when people behave disreputably and you know destroy people's careers you know because basically you know people tried to get close to him because you know they looked up to him and they thought that they might learn something from it and they just ended up being abused you know yeah. and it ruined their you know they stopped them from getting into comedy it stopped them from doing anything like that because it, they just thought <clears throat> that's just an awful experience so, you know, he's wrecked people's lives and he never actually said sorry for any of it. Never apologised to anyone. There's a sense of... <coughs> um, like, it, a part of me wants to say, were well, these people properly brought up? You know, like, it's well, acting, it, yeah. acting like a, a three-year-old. And, it, you know, one yeah. of the things you need to learn between the ages of three and seven is that the world's not about you. You're yes. just one of the people in the world. And at age three, you yes. honestly don't know that, and that's okay. But you're yeah. supposed to grow out of that. Yeah, you grow out of it, and you realise that there are consequences for your actions. And, you know, Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein... By the way, I'm not, um, not criticising these people's parents. <laughs> these, these people ought to do the job of growing <laughs> up themselves. I'm not saying it's not their fault. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein have behaved in ways that are completely out of order and have gotten away with it for a long time. And, you know, what I'm what I'm hoping is that uh, with so many people coming forward this year and finally being listened to, that this will enable other people to come forward and think that they will be listened to. Because, and the other thing I think is that when a man is found guilty in this way, that a woman should replace him in whatever job he was doing to kind of just redress the balance. Because there's plenty of, there's so many men in the entertainment business and, and that's one of the problems with it. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest problems with it. Is there's, there's so many men involved. So here's, in here's another troubling thing. Um, is the Is the... Uh, mistreatment of women eclipsing the frequent murder of black people in our attention um, that's a good question I think um, I think that we you know we know that the uh, the way that black people are treated in some parts of the United States is well, it's completely alien to me anyway in the way that, that this stuff goes on. Um, it's happening all the time. This is why there's a movement called Black Lives Matter um, that shouldn't need to exist. And stories like, you know, the, the Harvey Weinstein thing and the Louis C.K. thing, those things come and go. And But that stuff with black people being openly murdered is still there yeah you're, you're right yeah, it's, so it's, maybe um, it is stopping it from maybe do you think it's a conspiracy <laughs> maybe get out is part of the west starting to come to grips with this you know not i don't mean like get out is the key factor i mean 
maybe our society is finally starting to admit to itself uh, how how it's been acting, and um, that will bring about change, maybe. Um. Well, yeah, maybe. I think that the only way that that change can happen is is if every time a man is found out that he's replaced with a woman, and then you know this stuff doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So you know, the the Weinstein company I think has been wound up, and uh, you know I don't think that Harvey Weinstein should ever work again. I don't think I don't see any reason why that should happen. And certainly, he's. Well, I don't think he should get out of prison while he's. Well, alive. no, exactly. Yeah, there's no reason for that to happen either. And you know, but the thing is, is that uh, rich, entitled white people can almost get away with murder. And, you know, we see it happen time and time and time again. Look how many times Boris Johnson has been through the cabinet, the revolving door of the uh, Conservative cabinet. And honestly, how does that man who has no talent that I can see apart from being a bumbling idiot, how does he keep coming back? And the answer is he's rich and he went to public school and he's white. And that's it. That's that's all he's got going for him, and he just keeps coming back. And the same applies in in the United States as well, because you can bet that if um, Harvey Weinstein or Louis C.K. were black men, that the media would be up in arms, would be there would be uproar about it. As it as it is, there isn't really that much uproar, and that's because they're white men not really saying sorry to a media that is controlled by white people. And that is the truth. Testify. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe get out. We'll probably get loads of hate mail now. Well, yeah. From Daily Well, hopefully no Daily Mail readers listen to this podcast. I think we probably should. Although maybe they should. Maybe they should. (laughs) That will show them. They should listen to two middle-aged white men who are appalled about the state of the world. Yeah, and another thing is my fizzy squash. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe Get Out is part of um, a positive change of telling it how it is in society. I hope so. Yeah, I really do hope so. What I'm hoping is that in 2018, um, you know, despite everything that 2017 has been that things will start to turn and that things will become more positive it feels horrible politics at the moment or the world at the moment feels horrible but so much of it is actually stuff being revealed that was already there so it shouldn't it feels horrible to to know but it was already horrible so it's better to know than not to know yeah it was yeah it's always been there um, that's true but it's now being revealed like looking behind the curtain yeah and, not, and I think not I actually think way. that's kind of true of Trump as well yeah true he's he's like a, this revelation of something that was already there yeah absolutely Trump is you know kind but of um, they should definitely get rid of him now yeah they're not going to though 
But they definitely should get rid of him. Oh, now, they should. Right yeah, oh, absolutely, they should. But that's not going to. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that he will see out four years. Uh, I don't think he's going to campaign to be re-elected though, because he won't want to lose. His ego won't take it. So he'll step. I was down. reflecting today that that America gets to get rid of Trump and go back to not the same place it was before, but it at least has a chance to rebuild. Um, although I guess the that's probably not true. What you mean? The, but the, um, there should be a colony again. <laughs> no, I mean, like if you have a president for four years and then you change to a different president. Oh yeah. Then you can um, you can rebuild stuff, and I guess uh, we can in the UK we can also rebuild stuff after Brexit um, because the the damage the damage that Brexit caused that really matters. I mean, it does as economic damage and so on and so on, but you know we could find a way around that. The real damage it does as is similar to the damage that Trump does, which is just a sense that racism is acceptable in society. Yeah, it enables it enables extremists. And uh, um, so in both yeah. both the UK and the US, we have rebuilding to do once we've got it out of the way. I think the advantage of actually getting rid of a president and replacing him with another one will be at least there's kind of a line in the sand and you can say, right, that bit's over and we've got a different mm. bit now. Well, it's been done before. But with, with um, in the UK, I don't see how we can draw that line in the same way. No, we can't. I mean, yeah, Nixon was impeached. He resigned. Um, during his impeachment. Um, yeah, well, they could impeach him, but even if they don't impeach him, he'll go away when he's no longer the president. Yeah. But the kind of, yeah. the general sense that the UK is a bit more racist than it was before, oh, it's hard to see how always, to get rid of that. That's always been there, though. That that racism has always been there. It's just that the people who are espousing it are doing so openly, um, rather than behind closed doors or in like meetings of combat 18 or britain first down the pub but how do we make it go away how do you can't make it go away how do we draw a line in the sand and say as a whole society we don't accept this which is how by the way our society used to talk about it yeah i know um doesn't mean it's not there but we don't accept it as a society we don't it's not it's not acceptable yeah but yeah, it's up to our government to set those standards. At the moment, those standards are at an all-time low mm. in terms of, you know, saying things that are unacceptable. You know, there's people in government who say things that are completely unacceptable and just get away with it. Like David Davis. What did he say? He said, I don't... <clears throat> what did he say? I don't need to be clever and I don't need to know very much to be Brexit secretary. <laughs> He actually said that. <laughs> That's lucky, <laughs> lucky for him. Yeah, lucky for him. White? Oh, look, look, a white man who's saying, it doesn't matter what I do. Don't have to be clever. Don't, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm a white guy. So that's it. We need uh, look, this, this, some this charismatic... Podcast has in, this podcast has turned into love versus fear. We need charismatic political leadership. Yes, we do. Um, from someone. We yeah. don't have anyone. What about Ming Campbell? Is he still alive? I think so. Was he falling asleep in the Commons? <laughs> I don't even know if he's still an MP. 
the Lib Dems could fit on a... Can they, have they got enough members now that they can fit in a minibus? Because I know they could fit in the back of a taxi <laughs> at the end of, the, of 2010. Uh, they haven't got many. They've got, they got a few more, I think. Well, they Not 2010, so, 2015, sorry. They've got about 10, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, minibus. So um, if you're listening to this podcast, you may be a podcast listener. And you may be. One of the uh, things I've discovered recently is a podcast called Reasons to be Cheerful. Ah, now I've discovered that too. With Ed Miliband and some other bloke. Jeff Lloyd. And uh, Ed Miliband is incredibly likeable, as is Jeff Lloyd on that. It's uh, it's somewhat disappointing in that it is a podcast of two middle-aged white men <laughs> espousing their opinions. There's not enough But if you around. like this podcast, maybe <laughs> maybe you're into that kind of thing. You know? Yeah, I discovered uh, that. I've really enjoyed it. Um through another BBC, through a BBC podcast. Oh, I see. Uh, that's presented by Fee Glover and Jane Garvey. Uh, and they talked about that because they had Ed Miliband on there. <laughs> and, and, and Jeff Lloyd on a couple of weeks right. ago. And they were talking about reasons to be cheerful. I haven't listened to, listened to any reasons, cheer, reasons to be cheerful yet because I have yeah, over really 50 things in my backlog. So It's really good. I, I, I heard... Jeff Lloyd and um, Ed Miliband on Rahulstapa. Ah, Rahulstapa, yes. Rahulstapa, which is, which is what no one's calling it. <laughs> which is Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Yes. Which, They're uh, all calling it that, Rahulstapa. Yeah, everyone's calling mm. it that. My cause ball, Stu. Call it, call it by its proper name. <laughs> Tamomranger. Tamomranger, which no one's call- nobody's calling it Tamomranger. <laughs> Um, same same joke. Twenty years. Same later. joke, and it's still funny. Still funny. To um, me. What was I going to say? What was I going to say? So, podcast that I'm listening to. Uh, I listen to the DGA podcast, which is the Directors Guild of America podcast. Okay. Which is uh, one director interviews another one about a film that they've got out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's patchy. Sometimes very good. Sometimes it's a little bit too a bit dry but sometimes it's very good mm-hmm. um uh listen to uh wtf podcast which is hosted by an american stand-up comic called mark maron maron um which is good uh he interviews some very he interviewed um president obama a couple of years ago so he, he mm-hmm. gets some high profile he interviewed jeff bridges which was very good mm-hmm. uh, i've discovered that jeff bridges is basically the dude the Big Lebowski, <laughs> yeah. which I'm happy about. He's a bit, yeah, I've heard him happy. interviewed. Yeah, he is. You're yeah, right. he really is. He is. Hey, man, it's like wow. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, busy. I listen to as I said, I listen to Richard Herring's Let's Go Theatre podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to the Good Robot Andes. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good. I like that one. Yeah. Excellent spoilerific uh, podcast with two white middle-aged men complaining about stuff. Um. I listen to the Linux Voice podcast. Oh, is that good? Which is uh, about Linux. Uh, yeah, I, I really like it. Although I think probably, if I'm honest, it used to be really good. And now I enjoy it because I know the people from when it was better. Right. But it's okay. still pretty good. Hmm. Okay. I listen to um, BBC World Service News Hour podcast. Oh. Now, Which is a very internationally focused um, what's the, what's news the World program. Service thing I listen to. People changing the world. 
oh. which is a which is a world service podcast. So that's yeah. um, that's about people doing yeah cool things abroad, and in this country as well. So they yeah. they had a thing about people using drones in Africa to deliver medicine, which I mm. thought was cool. Um, mm. About they had a thing about there's a I think it's in Reykjavik, there is a curfew. A teenager curfew in the evenings, mm-hmm. and they're trying to deal with, um, you know, kids being out late drinking, that kind of thing. And it's quite strictly enforced. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah, so that that's an interesting podcast. Uh, I listened to uh, yeah. the Liturgists podcast, which I think I've mentioned before. You have, yes. Which is for which is sort of for people who used to be Christians but can't believe it anymore, right? Or people who. Are still are Christians, but they don't agree with anything that any Christians say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's people trying to find spirituality in the face of a kind of uh, collapse of faith or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, lo- there's loads of good podcasts out there. Uh, I listen to Adam Buxton, who's... Uh, mm-hmm. Remember Adam and Joe? I do. He's one half of Adam of what was Adam and Joe. I, th- mm-hmm. I think he did one with Richard Herring on Rahulstabad. Yeah, Richard Herring's done quite a few things with people. Oh, you mean he went on Rahulstabad? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Richard, yeah, Richard Herring's had a lot of people on. Hmm. Uh, what else do I listen to? Adam Buxton. Uh, there's there's a podcast called the the Grief Cast with uh, comedian Cariad Lloyd who has appeared on QI mm. and a couple of other panel shows. I know the name. And that's all about... Um, she talks to people who've lost significant others mm-hmm. and, you know, just talks to them about how they're dealing with it, what what was going on at the time. So uh, she talked to David Bedil about his um, mother dying and about Ad- he did Adam Buxton about, about his father. Pardon? He did a show about it, right? Yeah, it's still on. He's actually coming to Bristol next year. It's called My Family, Not the Sitcom. It's supposed to be very good. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so that's a good one. Although, you know, it is sad, but it does give you, Mm. you know, sort of time to reflect if you've lost a significant other Mm. um, or others. Um, It gives you, you know, a sort of chance to reflect on it and think about what you would say to somebody if you had to sit down and talk to them about it Mm. to what is essentially a stranger. Uh, yeah. But they're never really sad, you know, they're, because she mainly talks to comedians and entertainers, you know, they've usually got a yarn to spin that lightens the tone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also listened to a thing called The Standard Issue, which is uh, aimed at women. So it was started by Sarah Millican. Mm-hmm. It used to be a uh an online magazine but is now just a podcast not just a podcast a very good podcast <laughs> um and i really enjoy that just because it's a different voice you know it's a, a different viewpoint um i mean not just white middle-aged is, men exactly yeah it's um two white middle-aged mostly men, to be fair. it's most mostly um i'd say younger white women <laughs> <laughs> But it is it is a different viewpoint mm-hmm. of the world, which you know, you can have enough of people like us talking about stuff. Yeah. Although, Although I can. think we're, we're I think I think that we're not, you know, I'd say we're fairly balanced, <laughs> but left leaning. 
I tell you what, listening to Ed Miliband has made me... I was already leaning left because, especially after um, the Grenfell Tower disaster, oh, I've yeah. never felt so left-wing in my life. And then listening to Ed Miliband made me even more left-wing um, mm. because he just seems so reasonable and sensible about everything. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I can vote for the Labour Party at the moment. But it just kind of makes me wish that I've been able to vote for them when they had Ed Miliband. Hmm. Yeah. Not enough people did. That's the problem. But I fundamentally am so sandal-wearing in my outlook that it's difficult for me not to vote Lib Dem. <sighs> <laughs> Voting preferences. <laughs> yeah. What should we talk about uh, yeah. next? Um, I think we should probably <laughs> probably do some plugging. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I start? Yeah, go on. Okay, so I uh, present a um, a radio show on Glastonbury FM, one hundred seven point one in the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Somerset. It is a movies uh, movie reviews, uh, sometimes TV. So I talked about a show called American Gods uh, a few weeks ago. Um, movies, sometimes TV, lots of music, occasional live guest if I can muster the energy to f find one. Um, so that goes out on a Thursday evening, or at six o'clock to seven o'clock, and is repeated on Friday at two. There are podcast highlights you can, which you can find on your podcasting app of choice. Uh, search for movie mashup. No camel case, no caps. Uh, iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And if you want to uh, hear the music, you have to tune in live, through, which you can do through the internet. You can you can tune in live through the internet. So you don't need to be living in the Glastonbury Street or in the Wells no. area of. Hello, 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 hello. I'm in the Wells. Splash. Um, <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, yeah, but the podcast highlights doesn't have any music. Sad Got face. To. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it's all curated by me. There's uh -huh. no playlist. No. Um, that's it. That's my plugging. Uh -huh. um, I uh, do lots of things to do with programming. So look at the Good Robot Andy's About page. Computer programming, I mean. Um, so And there's a link there to my blog about all, where I talk about all the codey things I've learned and um, open source projects that I'm doing. And I make YouTube videos that teach you various things about programming. I'm hoping, if I get accepted, to be doing a talk at the ACCU conference in Bristol so this excited. year. I don't Next know what year. on yet because it depends whether they accept it. Yeah, sorry, this this upcoming conference. Yeah, which is in April. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but if you're not into programming, you might be into having fun or doing things that are enjoyable. Really? Yeah, what are those if things? You are, <laughs> if you like things that are enjoyable or interesting, uh, you might be interested to play my game, Rabbit Escape, which you can get from the Android store. Right. You can get it for 60p, or you can get the exact same thing for no money at all. Well, if you look for Rabbit what would Escape, you do? You, you must go for the 60p one. So go for the 60p one. Uh, design your own levels. There's a, there's a level editor that's currently uh, a prototype that works nicely for making levels. There's been a small flurry of activity on the development page for Rabbit Escape of people making levels since I released the new level editor. 
Uh, how exciting. can you run the level editor? What, what do you run it on? The level editor runs in your web browser. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I think I think I might do some of that with my son over the Christmas break. Do so. The danger with it is that you lose your work because it doesn't save. So, what you have to do is go to the <sighs> click on the save button, and it lets you copy and paste the code of the level from there. And you need to paste it into your text editor. I said okay. it's in beta. Your text editor of choice. Yeah, but if you refresh the page, you lose it. So just be careful of that. But other than Aye. that, okay, um, it's it's fairly intuitive and fun to make your own levels. Excellent. Um, you can go to artificialworlds.net slash rabbit escape slash level dash editor. Right. Um, Excellent. It's still in beta. I haven't really announced that. So and uh, um, so when you've made a, when you've made a level, mm-hmm. how do you then upload that to somewhere, or what do you do? Then you it? email it to me. Okay. Or or you put it on a GitHub issue. So Rabbit Escape is on GitHub, which is a site for um, yes. open source projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you click on issues and then new issue, you can paste your level in there, and it'll um, we can discuss it and then decide whether to include it in the game. Cool. Okay. I've just realised there's a Christmas tree growing out of my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I've just gone black again, so you can't see me. Damn. Oh yeah, there you go. You've gone again. No, I'm back. And you're back. Yeah. So, listener, we can see each other, but since you can't see us, and we're not releasing videos anymore because it's too much like hard work, uh, that yeah. bit of conversation was really not relevant to you. No. In fact, yeah, indeed, I could say that there's a there's a spacecraft growing out of my head, <laughs> and nobody would know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just getting the impression we might have reached the end. I think you might be right. Yeah. But this, this was a good one. Yeah. yeah we've, the ranting. We've, I'll, I'll have to listen back to the ranting and see whether I think it's okay. Yeah. I mean, feel free to um, cut the ranting if you think it's not okay. So far, I've never edited anything out of any of our podcasts, and I'm not about to start now. So. Fair enough. Put it all in, then. Bring it all down. Cool. Well, listen, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you won't. I did. No, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. I find it to be most enjoyable. Stimulating. <laughs> whilst you're shouting at your <laughs> um, fruit-based device, saying, yeah. get these lefty, sandal-wearing wetbacks off my fruit-based device. I'm not worried about attacks from the right. <laughs> I'm. I'm worried about Saying saying something wrong and getting criticised by someone who's more got their finger on the pulse of well, what's right. You know, if somebody gets in touch and says you're wrong about this, then we need to challenge them and say, okay, how are we wrong about it? Um, rather than you know the whole Twitter thing where someone someone posts something, somebody else says you're wrong. And the person says, why? And, and the other person says, just do your research. And it's just like, well, no, just go away. <laughs> so, you know, if somebody does want to get in touch and say that we're wrong about something, they need to provide a reason for why. Yeah, but please do tell us. We're, yeah, I'm sure absolutely. We're wrong about most things. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm pretty sure that on several podcasts about movies, I've made erroneous statements about things. So, um, yeah. Cool. Also, if you'd like us to interview someone, 
um, which would break the formula of it being two white middle-aged white men talking to each other. Yeah, it but would. listener, if you'd like us to interview someone, do you uh, suggest it? Yeah, somebody attainable, somebody you know, not like Steven Spielberg, which is not very likely. We give it a go. We could. Yeah, we could. So, um, uh, <laughs> Stephen. <think>. So, uh, <laughs> it's basically, yeah, that'd be it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, dead air. That would be. It would be two hours of dead air. <laughs> it so wouldn't. Should we get? No, should we get the guy on who did uh, Blade Runner? Who, Danny Villeneuve? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, if I'll anyone have, knows Denny, I'll have my drop people him a line. contact his people and we'll set something up. Yeah, if if our listener knows Denny or someone knows someone in his entourage, um, yeah, drop him a line. We'd be happy to interview him if we can find space in the schedule. I shall uh, when when this has been edited and I can post a link to it on Twitter. I shall um, I shall tag him. And say so you're interested in coming on the show, on the podcast, Let's and he can it. he can safely ignore that. <laughs> but at least I will have tried. Let's do it. It'll be embarrassing though because we'd be so gushing. But oh yeah, absolutely. We can challenge him about the things we were challenging about as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. That's it. See you next time. I'm I'm doing a triple rimmer salute. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Cheers. That's a red dwarf. <laughs> <laughs>